and welcome to episode number 177 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Anders, where we run down all the big news, all the big happenings, all the big bets going on in this crazy gambling industry of ours. And as we said, we are turning our focus over to the NFL. We'll be doing this courtesy of our friends over at BetMGM, talking about the odds and the different uh, futures markets that they have going up over there and Stephen, we look here today we're going to talk some awards we did the divisions last week and I think that we identified some pretty good spots and listen we didn't know that the stuff was going to happen with the Colts whenever we were all over saying that you should be getting in on the Titans right now but uh hey look hopefully some people out there went and did that because that bet looks a lot better today than it did when we did this podcast last week yeah, that worked out pretty well, huh? <laughs> when we recorded this. Yeah, I mean, we hit, uh, you know, Titans division. We like the Colts under because of their schedule. Uh, that was something that I was trying to hop all over as it was happening before the books took it down was try and find some some Colts win totals to bet the under on. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fortunate timing on that. But if you haven't heard it yet, go back and you can listen to um you know, how we see these markets in terms of the NFL divisions. Yeah, it was, um, you know, listen, the unfortunate news, of course, we're talking about with Carson Wentz uh, having to get surgery on his foot with a very odd time frame of 5 to 12 weeks of recovery time. Uh, Quentin Nelson also getting the exact same injury, having to have the exact same surgery. And again, with the... That's almost worse than Wentz I know, in some ways. I know, with the, the 5 to 12... A weak thing for him as well so that Colts team is certainly going to uh, need to figure some stuff out here what they're going to do at the quarterback position but today we're going to talk awards and we're going to start out with you know look let's start out with offensive rookie of the year and when we take a look at the offensive rookie of the year your favorites as you would expect Trevor Lawrence three to one Najee Harris, six to one. Trey Lance, seven to one. Justin Fields, eight to one. Kyle Pitts, eight to one. Zach Wilson, nine to one. Mac Jones, 12 to one. And if you want to make a case, I guess I can't hate on Jamar Chase, 14 to one. Vaughn Smith at 16 to one. Jalen Waddell, 18 to one. So we know all those guys are going to be starting, getting lots of opportunity from day one. But, you know, listen, I think when we look at these odds, Stephen, and you probably would agree that if we if we just take it at surface level, we're not going to talk about because we will dig into this and try to give you some some strategy behind why we would bet guys different way. But if we just look at it at this surface level, I think the odds are pretty I think the odds are, are pretty in line with where they need to be. Trevor Lawrence, we know, is starting from day one. He's got a pretty decent talent pool around him. They're probably going to be trailing in a lot of games, so he's going to be throwing a lot and putting up a lot of stats. He also does stuff with his legs, so you get you see the three to one. We know Najee Harris is going to start from day one with Pittsburgh. We understand they're going to give him a big workload. They drafted him for a reason, was to come in and be the guy. They've already said they want him to be a three down back. So I mean, you, you kind of on the surface level here, we understand why these odds are what they are. Yeah, and before we get into kind of our picks and, and how we see value on this board, I think it's also important with these NFL awards to kind of look back at how the awards have played out in the past, uh, how voters have voted in the past on these awards, because this is, there is a human element when you're trying to bet 
into these markets. And you have to understand that it's not always just straight stats. There is some narrative in this when you're talking about media members voting on an award. So with Offensive Rookie of the Year since 2010, six of the winners have been quarterbacks. And we have had back-to-back quarterback winners with Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. All of those quarterbacks were first-round picks with the exception of Dak Prescott. Now, the other four... The other five winners of the award that weren't quarterbacks in that span, four of them were running backs, and the only wide receiver was Odell Beckham Jr. So keep that in mind if you're looking for somebody in this market outside of the quarterback or running back position. The four running backs that won it since 2010, Eddie Lacy, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, and Saquon Barkley. And for those of you wondering about Kyle Pitts, no, a tight end has never won this award. So if you're betting on Kyle Pitts, you're betting on him making history in this award. So um, it's it's an interesting year, right? Because we just had five first-round quarterbacks go in the NFL draft, Matt. So for me, it's hard to try and take somebody uh, that's not a quarterback this year in this market, given how highly graded each of those five guys were coming out. And with Najee Harris at plus 600, the second choice in this market, given what we know about quarterbacks having a chance uh, in this market and and Trevor Lawrence being crowned really the second coming of of Andrew Luck and there not being any training camp reports to this point to knock his ability to step in right away and play well, um, you're going to need a good price for me to try and beat Trevor Lawrence considering he could also get a head start on the other quarterbacks in terms of accumulating stats to start the year. He's going to start week one. Zach Wilson might as well, but these other guys are going to have to make up for lost time trying to catch Trevor. Yeah, Lawrence. no, absolutely. And, and that's why I think when we look at this, I think that the, the best way to do this is to start at the very top and try and figure out reasons why it wouldn't work out. And, you know, listen, we're not going to talk about injury here with these guys because always injury is always going to be the thing that could knock these guys off. So, like, we we understand that. We understand injuries is always – that is for every player we're going to talk about today. So, taking injury out of it. Look, Trevor Lawrence, I think the one of the ways that maybe this could go towards one of these other guys would be – what if the Jags are a little bit better than we think? And what if, like, they're not always playing from behind? And what if uh, Urban Meyer, who went and did take a running back in the first round to pair up with James Robinson, who was already good last year, what if he brings this mindset from, you know, from college that he wants to run the ball first and, and establish the run and things like that? And, and Trevor Lawrence's numbers aren't exactly what we think that they're going to be. I mean, I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility that Urban Meyer's not going to be a good NFL coach, right? I mean, just because a guy, we've seen this time and time again, like just because a guy has had a bunch of success in college does not mean he can step into the NFL and have some success. He's already saying and doing some weird things that I'm like, kind of like, dude, what, like, what's going on here? And so I think there is at least a chance here that Lawrence, by no fault of his own, could have disappointing stats this year. Right, and and let me give you the positive side argument as well with it. And for me, plus 300 is an appropriate price for him as the favorite. I don't really see any value there, but I also can't say that he's mispriced Mm -hmm. as well. So, um, And he has a couple things going for him that should help him. The Jaguars' schedule this year is the fourth easiest based on opponent win total. 
And prior to their bye in week seven, they play the second easiest schedule in the NFL. So again, he could get out to a head start in this rookie of the year race in a way that these other quarterbacks and uh, maybe the running backs as well uh, won't have. So I will say just to go back to, to your side of the argument, one red flag could be just how well the Jaguars as a team do this year. Six of the last nine quarterbacks to win this award won at least seven games. And Jacksonville doesn't look like a team that is going to be a world beater. I mean, there's some people out there that think they can contend for the division, but they have a win total right now of only six and a half. Among the other first-round quarterbacks, only the Jets have a win total lower than the Jaguars. Justin Fields and the Bears, 7.5 win total. Mac Jones and the Patriots, 9.5 win total. Trey Lance and the 49ers, 10.5 win total. So it's possible that he could put up good stats and maybe have a little bit better numbers overall in terms of gross production than these other quarterbacks, but... If they're only a five-win team, then the voters could pass over him for rookie of the year. Najee Harris at six to one. Listen, we know he's going to be the workhorse there for the Steelers. Steelers were thirtieth DVOA in rush offense last year. They have not had a solid running game really since Le'Veon Bell left, and that is something that apparently they really want to remedy and fix because they go out and take a running back in the first round where there were other needs that this team could have used. Um, we know he's going to play mostly three down back type stuff. I mean, he's a great receiver, Steven. I mean, his rushing numbers, his raw rushing numbers might not be, uh, eye popping and might not jump off the page, but I think his total yards from scrimmage will actually be pretty good. Um, I think Ben Roethlisberger is completely washed and toast and I can see him just dumping the ball off all day long. Najee Harris just being the safety valve. Uh, you know, and so again, while their his rushing numbers might not be, you know, up in that 1100, 1200 range or something like that with what we have seen from some of these rookie backs that have come out lately, even if it's in that 800, 900 range, but he adds on another 600, 700 in receiving yards as well. Uh, Najee Harris, listen, I, I don't, I would lean towards one of the quarterbacks as well, but if they all have pedestrian seasons, Najee Harris is going to have the volume and the raw numbers. Just the he might not score a bunch of touchdowns because honestly, I think the Steelers are going to regress as a team in general. But if we're talking about just yards from scrimmage, I I don't see a path for Najee Harris to fail all that often. You just said the key word for me, and it's volume. And you know, it's one of the biggest buzzwords in the fantasy football community. Most of the prognosticators out there are saying at least 300 touches for Najee Harris. He might push 350 touches because this is coming on high from ownership in Pittsburgh. That This pick was mandated by the owners to go do that. The, the sharper NFL mind said that they should have spent higher capital on offensive line. But they miss Le'Veon Bell, and they like having a three-down workhorse in this offense to get – more than 90% of the snaps when things are going well. So uh, what I don't like is his price. I mean, I, I think the other quarterbacks should be priced yeah. ahead of Najee Harris. So I don't see any value in Najee at BetMGM at plus 600. So when I'm looking at these markets, I tend to kind of just my own personal, you can call it bias, you can call it preference, but I'm, I'm trying to find somebody at a little bit of a larger price to try and just take a shot on uh, and not, 
invest as much capital into a higher pick at the top of the board. So if I am going to take a shot at a running back, I would prefer to go with Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos at 25 to one. This is a guy who on a, just a pure rushing standpoint was better than Najee Harris. He had the highest broken tackle rate that pro football focus ever recorded for a single season for a running back. So I am going to be watching very carefully camp reports out of Denver. I'm not ready to Mm -hmm. bet him yet, but if for whatever reason, Melvin Gordon gets injured or if Melvin Gordon gets cut, there have been some rumors that that's a possibility. Right. I mean, like he's an expensive guy that they, that they can replace with a draft pick that it comes in at a much, much cheaper price. Yeah, this feels like kind of a similar situation to what we saw with Nick Chubb as a rookie and Carlos Hyde being the incumbent. Now, Carlos Hyde stuck around too long for Nick Chubb to win the award, but uh, I don't think anybody would argue that Nick Chubb was was the best running back once he got on the field in Cleveland. So if we get a, a case where they cast aside Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams has a chance to match the volume that Najee Harris could put up in Pittsburgh, then I'm going to be very attracted to that 25 to one price. So let's go to the pass catchers and we'll skip back and come back to the quarterbacks here. But the, the pass catchers start at Kyle Pitts at eight to one. Then we get Jamar Chase at 14 to one, Von Smith at 16 to one, Jalen Waddell at 18 to one. So we look at this kind of group right here and I don't want to completely write them off, Stephen. I, 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 I don't. But when we take a look, I think there's warts really on all of them, right? I mean, like Kyle Pitts is still going to be competing for targets with Calvin Ridley, who will be the alpha there in that offense. Jamar Chase might step in and be the number one from the get-go, but there's still T. Higgins, and there's still Tyler Boyd, and there's still Auden Tate, and they still want to use Joe Mixon. So I don't know if he's going to get the raw stats that would be enough to jump off the page and win something like this. And then Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, again, there's question marks around those guys as well as just how much production they're going to be able to get because of their quarterback situation and the team situation that they're in. So I don't want to completely just dismiss these pass catchers and stuff, but you know, you just talked about the price on, on Najee Harris. I mean, eight to one on Pitts and only 14 to one on chase and 16 and 18 for Smith and Waddle. Like I would need exponentially more on every one of those guys for me to feel comfortable investing some money that I'm going to, again, have to lock up for the next five and a half months. Kyle Pitts is tied for the fourth choice on the, on the board, and no tight end has ever won this award in the history of the league. I mean, that is the definition of mispriced and overpriced and no value left. So, I mean, we can make the argument about how much of a freak he is and Julio Jones not being there anymore, but... I mean, this is a sports betting podcast. We have to talk about value as well. And the value is not there with Kyle Pitts. The narrative has sucked the value out of the Kyle Pitts offensive rookie of the year market. So as far as the wide receivers go, I mean, let's also remind ourselves the only wide receiver to win this award since 2010 was Odell Beckham Jr. And what did he do his rookie year? Historic. Historic. Yes. Just ridiculous. 
in 12 games, 132 targets. So he had 11 targets per game. He had 91 catches and 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns in 12 yeah. games. So who on this board among rookie wide receivers has a chance to have an 11 target per game season, a chance to have 150 plus targets in his rookie season? And I'm not sure I really see it. And on top of that, who has the quarterback to deliver mm -hmm. not only gross targets, but quality targets as well. So I'm looking at, you know, Jamar Chase potentially at 14 to one, but you absolutely highlight the issue there that they have a loaded pass catching core. T Higgins is going to be a factor in that offense. If Chase isn't the number one wide receiver on his team this year, which he could be, but if he's not, then I don't see how he wins the award. Devontae Smith, I mean, I can't bet that unless the Eagles trade right. for Deshaun Watson. Jalen Waddle's got Tua throwing to him. So, I mean, Elijah Moore's got Zach Wilson throwing to him. I mean, the, the, the quarterback situation isn't what Odell Beckham Jr. had when he won it with the Giants. So, we look then, let's head back to the quarterbacks. And Trey Lance, 7-1. to one, Justin Fields, 8-1. to one, Zach Wilson, 9-1. to one, Mac Jones, 12-1. to one. Now, there is, you know, a little bit of discrepancy in pricing here, but they're all kind of grouped together I think it's rightfully so we have three guys that we don't know is going to start from day one we have one guy that we do and he's on the least talented team of all of the guys and that's in Zach Wilson he is going to start from day one but you know the big wart there is just the team around him and the talent around him or lack thereof so we take a look at Trey Lance I um you know listen you and I were kind of having a, a, a Skype uh what's it called slack discussion about this and and you were saying like you know he might start from from day one and my only thing would be like I would think that'd be gross mispractice malpractice you know on the 49ers part because you can't keep a 24 million dollar backup quarterback if they were going to do that they I think they should have moved Garoppolo but um Lance I can see though if things don't start out all that well I can see them moving on pretty early and pretty quick, right? Like, I don't think this is one of those deals that's going to drag out from that scenario. If Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and he is legitimately, legitimately bad or even average, I don't see any reason why whenever you spend a first-round pick, not only a first-round pick, a top-ten pick on a quarterback where you basically told your starter, hey, bro, this is like a one-year thing for you and then you're going to be moving on. If he starts out average or below average, why wouldn't you go ahead and make the move? Because there's no downside to that whatsoever. And with this schedule as well, I might add uh, here, Stephen, I mean, listen, they start out Detroit, Philly. If they happen to lose one of those two games, like if they, if they were to lose one of those two games to Detroit and Philly, who are the, you know, bottom feeders out there, the calls for Trey Lance are going to be loud and they are going to be often. And here's the thing, like Kyle Shanahan made it pretty clear before training camp started that Jimmy Garoppolo is his guy, but then training camp started and Jimmy Garoppolo started throwing interceptions and then Trey Lance would come in with the first team offense running the same plays finding his third read in the progression and scoring a touchdown. So, and there's been multiple days reports of this, of Trey Lance. You know, we, we hear rookie reports going crazy all the time in training camp, but a lot of those are with the second team offense. Trey Lance is doing this with the first team offense. And I think that 
you could argue that the 49ers have more weapons and support around them in their offense to help a rookie quarterback more than any of these other guys. So I just go back to what I mentioned before about a possible red flag embedding Trevor Lawrence at plus 300, that six of the last nine quarterbacks to win this award won at least seven games. And of the rookie quarterbacks, Trey Lance's team has the highest win total at 10 and a half. And you mentioned the schedule. It is the single easiest schedule in the NFL based on win totals. And no team faces an easier drop in schedule difficulty of the defenses that they're going to play than the Niners. They went from the third toughest schedule to the 19th toughest schedule this year. And in terms of past defenses, they went from the fifth toughest schedule to the 26th toughest schedule this year. So that is the guy that if I'm taking a flyer on, I'm shopping for the best price, but uh, Trey Lance right now at seven to one at BetMGM would be the bullet I would fire. The we're sitting here and looking at um, ju- we're sitting here looking at Justin Fields at eight to one, and we we I think there's pretty good indication he's not going to start from day one, and I think they have a pretty good plan in place here. I'm almost positive that he's going to get thrown to the Wolves, and uh, that they're going to that they're not going to throw him to the Wolves. They're going to throw Andy Dalton to the Wolves, and then they're going to bring him in in a soft landing spot. I think that's the smartest way to go about it. They start the season on the road at the Rams, a top five defense in the NFL. Then it's the Bengals at home. Then they go at the Browns, another top five defense in the entire NFL. Then, though, you get two really soft landing spots, Lions, Raiders. I think he starts week four versus the Lions. And I think that that's plenty of time because when you think about this, remember, it's a 17-game season. So if he were to start week four, he would still get in 14 games. And if they were to make any sort of noise whatsoever, um, I really, really like Justin Fields. And I'm going to be betting Justin Fields. I'm just not going to be doing it before the season because what's going to happen here is when he does not start for them, his odds are going to get longer. And that is what and that's, that's what we point. want. And so when he is sitting the bench for the first couple of games of the season, that is when I'm going to come in and I'm going to bet him because I believe he can do enough in 14 games to win this award. So um, that is my strategy in in this and uh, the eight to one for me. I expect I'm probably going to get 12, 13, 14 to one on him because if you don't start for the first two games of the season, the money starts coming in on these other people. And so that's the strategy for me and Justin Fields. That's a great point, and I should have mentioned it with Trey Lance as well. I'm I'm not betting Trey Lance until I see that he's going to be starting at quarterback because his odds aren't going to shorten with him on the bench. Right. So, and I, for me, I am going to lean Trey Lance over Justin Fields just because of the schedule situation. You mentioned the early schedule for Fields that he probably won't face, but overall the schedule is is difficult on the road. Not only the Rams, but they have Seattle, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Tampa Bay on the road not to mention their their annual division matchups against Green Bay and, and Minnesota. And, uh, you know, all this, by the way, hat tip to, to Warren Sharp and his preseason NFL notebook, fantastic stuff there to, to help us navigate these schedule situations. But, yeah, Justin Fields, uh, to me, this the, I think he should be starting earlier, and, and it may be a couple weeks into the season. So that doesn't bother me in terms of the rookie of the year market, but his schedule versus Trey Lance is why I'm – hoping to lean towards Trey Lance if Lance can get onto the field before October. 
the other quarterback that we mentioned here, and this is, you know, this is the real big question mark here is Mac Jones. He is sitting at 12 to 1. All indications are they are at least going to try to start the season with Cam Newton. I could see this being the shortest of the short leashes out there, Stephen. I could see Bill Belichick saying, all right, Cam, we're going to give you a shot at this, but the second you start to suck, your ass is out of there. And like Bill Belichick doesn't give enough, right? And so, I mean, I'm talking when I say short leash, I'm talking like third quarter of week one if Cam Newton is out there just stinking it up that, that they could go to Mac Jones. I, I think he has the quickest path to the field of um, of these other guys unless, you know, unless Cam Newton just plays well. I mean, like, again, I think we see fields in week four for sure. Um, I don't think that that's even a question for me. I think that's even the plan there in Chicago. But as far as, like, how soon we could see Mac Jones – it wouldn't surprise me if we saw him in game one if Cam Newton is horrible. I've been on record this offseason on this podcast that I think that it doesn't make sense for Cam Newton to start for the New England Patriots anymore. They spent a a ton of money in free agency to try and get back to their winning ways. They hired, went out and, and, and signed two pass-catching tight ends in Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. Um, so I do think Mac Jones is going to start pretty soon. I think he could start before Justin Fields and Trey Lance. My concern, and the price is better, plus um, plus 1,200 at BetMGM to win Rookie of the Year. My concern is just the offensive philosophy yeah. overall. I think he's polished, and I think that he could be a pretty efficient rookie quarterback. My concern is the volume and the fact that I still think they're going to be more of a a balanced offense this year, even with Mac Jones in the game and and running those two tight end sets so that they can balance the run and the pass. And their schedule didn't give them any breaks either. They have the, the worst net rest differential in the NFL this season. Not to um, mention weapons. Well, and, and I use weapons in air quotes, right? I mean, it's Jacoby Myers, right. Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar, right? I mean, like that's your... That's your three wide, top three wide receivers in this offense. I mean, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and they also have to play three opponents that are coming off a bye this year, which is more than any team in the NFL. So um, I just don't know if he's going to have enough. Even, even if he starts yeah. early, I just don't know if he's going to have enough attempts to put up the numbers that these other guys can put up in a few I, short I'm with you. Uh, a few I, I just games. don't have any interest whatsoever. I mean, like – the, the stuff that Lawrence and Lance and Fields also bring with their legs is another thing for me. You know, like they – I expect all three of those guys to at least have a couple hundred rushing yards, if not more, to kind of add to their their resume as well. And so, yeah, I, I'm not on Mac Jones, probably won't be on Mac Jones at all. So let's head to these longer shots. And you already mentioned Javante Williams that you like at 25 to one. I'll tell you the one that I like, and that is Trey Sermon at 30 to one. And I'm actually going to bet him before this, before the preseason even starts, because I don't want it to look like he's going to be the guy. And then this number goes away. So for me, uh, in an offense that we have seen, if they if, if a guy is running well, they will go with the guy that's running well. The problem is, is the 49ers have just been so injury-plagued like that they seem or, they seemingly are always rotating running backs, but it's not really that they're doing that by design. It's by necessity because somebody's always nicked up and someone's always hurt and someone's always injured. And so with that, they've had to kind of go from back to back to back to back to back. But 
we've seen when a guy is healthy and he is hot, he gets the majority of the touches. And so I think Trey Sermon could be that guy this year. And I don't want to miss out on this type of number if it starts to become apparent that he could be that guy. So while I'm taking the weight approach on some of these other bets, I'm actually trying the get in early on a guy like Sermon. Yeah, and, and he's going to be part of that hot hand approach rotation that Kyle Shanahan likes because Jeff Wilson's probably on the shelf for the first half of the season this year. So he should have at least immediate opportunity to at least share the workload in that backfield. And uh, Raheem Mostert isn't exactly the, you know, the the yeah. strongest and the most. Uh, I mean, he's fragile. He's missed a lot of games as an undrafted free agent running back. So he's got the speed, but the more volume he gets, it, te- it seems that the more he gets nicked up. So Trey Sermon does have a path to featured back workload this year for sure. And as far as these longer shot guys, um, I'm not really high on any of them. I mean, listen, we could make a case for Rashad Bateman. We could make a case for Rondell Moore, I think. I mean, I don't think there's one for Tony. There's just a whole lot of mouths to feed there. Um, if someone said, hey, look, but they're 50 to 1, I'm not going to tell you that Bateman or Moore it would be a bad bet. I mean, they are guys that, again, we talk about volume and us under the assumption of rational coaching, which is what we have to do with all this. Like, we would assume that these guys are going to get an ample amount of targets. I mean, when you look at the wide receiver room for the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, we've tried the Hollywood Brown experiment. Sammy Watkins is old and is basically more of a possession receiver at this point. So Rashad Bateman should get a lot of looks. He should get a lot of targets. And so I would not I would not sit there and tell you you were stupid if you wanted to have a 50 to 1 ticket. But again, we're also talking about one of the most run heavy teams in all of the NFL and I don't see that changing either. So, you know, I think there's cases to be to be made for these guys, you know, I mean, look, Rondell Moore, if he were able to come in and basically be and, and play the the Larry Fitzgerald role for this team, I mean, he could just rack up a ton of catches. It might not, it not might not have a, a massive amount of yards behind it, but I mean, he could have a ton of catches for that team. But uh, as we sit right now, probably won't have tickets on either one of those guys. Yeah, the only, for me, the only long shots I would keep an eye on is if there happens to be a catastrophic quarterback injury. Let's just say, God forbid, uh, Tom Brady gets hurt. Kyle Trask right. is sitting there at 100-1. God forbid, Kirk Cousins gets hurt or is on the COVID list for a lot longer than in- anticipated. Kellen Mond's 125-1. to That's a situation where, you know, maybe a guy who wasn't expected to start at quarterback could come in and have immediate volume to try and steal this award. All right, let's head over to the Defensive Rookie of the Year odds right after a quick message from our friends over at BetMGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Defensive Rookie of the Year. We have Micah Parsons as your favorite at four to one. Jalen Phillips at six and a half. Quiddy Pay at nine to one. Um, the interesting part here: Patrick Sertan is sitting at twelve to one. And Stephen, there might not be a path for him to start to begin the season for that Broncos team. So it's very interesting that a that Patrick Sertan is sitting at twelve to one. When I mean, I think whenever we look at what's going on here and how this. Denver team went about free agency they signed Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby they're likely to start at corner and I don't think they're going to move Sertan into the slot when you've got Bryce Callahan who is one of the better slot corners in all the NFL and of course it's just a different skill set to play on the outside versus the inside so I don't even know if he's going to start 12 to one. I wouldn't bet that unless that thing was like 32 to one or something like much less 12 to one. Um, but it, Davis nine to one Collins, 12 to one. Um, and, and a bunch of guys start at 14 to one further. Uh, Parsons at four to one. I get it. Look, it is a guy that is going to step in and he is going to be manning the center right there for the Dallas Cowboys from, from the get go. And we know how much star linebackers for the Cowboys have thrived in the past. And we understand that like they really like to feature their linebackers a ton. And so with that, I understand why Parsons is sitting where he's sitting. It's he's the rightful favorite for sure. Just again, for me, I like to look down the board a little bit, especially with defensive rookie of the year. So I'm going to try and beat him. And the one thing that I try to remember with this award compared to the offensive rookie of the year is that there isn't quite as set of a roadmap, right? We talked about the fact that for the most part, since 2010, it's a quarterback who has won the award. Mm -hmm. And when it hasn't in those small cases, it's, it's usually a running back. Well, in, in the defensive rookie of the year since 2010, it's been three interior defensive linemen, four edge rushers, two linebackers, and two cornerbacks that have won this award. So there really isn't a as defined of a roadmap to try and whittle it down to a position at least. And then I will say this, all of the award winners since 2010, with the exception of one, were first-round picks in the NFL draft. The only one was the Colts linebacker, Darius Leonard, in 2018, who was a second-round pick. And six of the 11 winners were top-10 picks. Now, that's not going to help us very much this year, though, because all but two of the players in the top-10 of the draft this year were offensive players, and the only two were cornerbacks in J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. You mentioned the issues with Patrick Sertan in playing time, but overall, cornerbacks, it's hard to win this award because they're not getting the There's stats no counting that stats, the media right, exactly. is There's no counting stats when you're when you're so good at your job that they throw away from you. You know, like, like that's the thing about exactly. corners, right? It's like... The, you can avoid corners, and so it's if, if you're if you're so good at it, then you're not going to get the pass breakups and the interceptions and the things like that because they're not throwing the ball at you. So it's very very hard, if not impossible, for I think a corner to win this. I mean, if we look at 
if we look at Quiddy Pay sitting at nine to one there for this Colts team that is uh, did lose Justin Houston, they lost to Nico Autry as well, so he is going to start from day one. They still have DeForest Buckner, who is going to cause a, a a lot of attention coming his way. So there should be opportunity for Quiddy Pay to get a ton of pressures, maybe even some sacks, some you know strip sacks, some fumble recoveries, different things and stuff like that. Um, nine to one for a guy that we know again is going to step in start from day one and has a path to to victory I guess if someone told me they wanted to go there I would not hate it everything you just said about Quiddy Pay I agree with but they also apply to another player at almost double the odds which is a guy I'm looking at and it's defensive or edge rusher Aziz Ojolari for the New York Giants He's sitting there at 20 to 1, which is the best price I've seen for him at this point. That's over at BetMGM. Second round pick, but this was a draft class that wasn't particularly strong at edge rusher and pass rusher, but Ojolari dropped because of some injury concerns in the draft process. If you looked at his production, you could make the argument that he was the best pass rusher in this mm-hmm. class. He had a, a 91.7 PFF pass rush grade, which was the highest among edge defenders in this 2021 NFL draft. And he was also fourth in total pressures since 2019 in college football. And you look at what he's stepping into, he should play right away and get the playing time. And he should be in single blocking situations it's he's probably not going to get double teamed when he's joining a front for the New York Giants that includes Dexter Lawrence Danny Shelton and Leonard Williams so that's a top 10 defense already from last year he should get good matchups to be able to go one-on-one and he should be put in every single obvious Mm -hmm. passing situation to hopefully try and accumulate I'm glad you brought him up because Pay Ojolari, and then my last one, the only three that I'm going to have bets on for this one, uh, Adafi Owe is uh, my third one, and it's all for the exact same reasons, again, that we just mentioned for these other two guys. He is, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, if you're unfamiliar, but this Baltimore Ravens team lost Yannick Ngakwe and Matthew Judon in free agency, which means Owe is going to have to step in again and start from day one, let's not forget Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf are all still there on the defensive line. So they are going to be forces to be dealt with. And Oway again should have a path to getting in there on passing downs and having his his way with with trying to get pressures, trying to get sacks, trying to get strip sacks, fumbles, things and whatnot like that. So um, those are the only three that I have my eye on, Steven, and that is that is just kind of how this thing works out for me. He's at 25 to 1. I like Ojolari at 20 to 1, and I think Quiddy Pay at 9 to 1 might be worth a shot as well. But this is that on the defensive side, it is a lot more, and I'm not I'm not don't take this the wrong way if you're listening when I say luck. Like just understand what are what I'm coming from when I say luck. But there is fumble luck. There are there is like you know, sack luck and things that happen for these guys and you kind of got to run pure you kind of got to run on the right side of variance for some of these things and that's why you know taking an Ojolari at 20 or an Oway at 25 where we know they're going to be, at least be in the situation to have things go their way now they might not go their way they might not they might get a ton of pressure with no sacks and you know yes as we progress into more analytical 
you know, 10 years down the road, maybe people start looking at pressure rate and realize like that pressure is more important than even sacks because that just means you're making the quarterback uncomfortable all the time. But as we sit right now, it's still the counting stats. It's still things like that. It's fumble recoveries. It's fumble. It's caused fumbles and it's sacks and things like that. And at least we know with pay and Ojolari and Owe, all three of those guys are going to be put in those situations to make those things happen. And so I'll take the longer shots here and feel pretty comfortable with it. Two other guys I want to mention before we move on, and they are linebackers that could potentially rack up those mm-hmm. counting stats, right? I mean, that we're focusing on that, and we're focusing on players that could immediately step in week one and start and get those snaps in a high amount of playing time. So let's just say these pass rushers we just talked about don't rack up the stats. Well, that potentially opens up the door for a rookie linebacker who is top 10 in the league in tackles to swoop in and take this award. So the the first guy that I bet in this market was Nick Bolton, the Kansas City linebacker at 33 to one. He was a second round pick out of Mizzou. He's already practicing with the first team at training camp, and he's also been not just impressive in the in the run game, which is hard to you know look at in training camp when you're not going live, but in coverage, he's been very impressive as well with multiple interceptions. So combine that with the fact that they play a lot of rushing-oriented offenses this year with the Browns and the Ravens and the Eagles. On top of that, Washington, Tennessee, the Giants, Denver twice – opportunity there for him to rack up a lot of tackles this year with immediate playing time. And the last guy who actually right now isn't on the board at BetMGM, so I got to reach <laughs> out to them, see if we can get a number on him. But uh, he's not on the board anywhere, honestly, from what I've seen. Um, but Pete Werner, New Orleans linebacker at 40-1, to 1, a second-round pick out of Ohio State. We know Ohio State guys can play right away in the NFL. He's been getting some first-team reps with the Saints. And the only real competition for him is Quan Alexander, who's missed 38 games in the last four years. So uh, if we can get a juicy number on Pete Werner, I could be swayed. So let's head over to a uh, to the AP MVP. And the reason I say the AP MVP is because, listen, this is voted on by random human beings. Right. And so. There are things that can go into the voting that don't necessarily translate to the on-field production. There are narratives involved. There are what team do you play for? How much did your team win, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Patrick Mahomes, five to one. Aaron Rodgers, eight to one. Josh Allen is 12 to one. Lamar Jackson, 14. We have Kyler Murray at 14. Tom Brady at 14, Dak Prescott at 16, Russell Wilson 16, Matt Stafford at 18, Justin Herbert at 20, Christian McCaffrey 25, Tannehill 25, and everybody else is 30 or longer. I don't think you, I, anyone on the face of this planet could argue with us and tell us that Patrick Mahomes is not the rightful MVP favorite as we enter a season without anyone having taken a single snap. The guy has shown us that he can do it all over the place time and time again. He wows us with his throws. He wows us with his decision-making. And he has all of his core guys coming back. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Travis Kelsey. He has Demarcus Robinson. He has... He has uh, Miko Hardman. Yes, Sammy Watkins walked, but Sammy Watkins hardly even played last year. So it wasn't like all those stats that you saw from uh, from Patrick Mahomes were anything that, that really Sammy Watkins contributed to all that much. So a revamped offensive line that should be one of the better offensive lines in the league. 
tell tell a person why you shouldn't bet Patrick Mahomes at five to one. Well, based on everything you said, I can't. And I think he's pissed too, by the way. I think he's pissed that he got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. And there have been some quotes that he is not shying away from trying to chase perfection this year. So uh, the argument I would make is just from a number yeah. standpoint. I mean, this is this is an award that sometimes is narrative-based in the past. Um, it's not always just gross numbers, but obviously if Patrick Mahomes goes out and has another 50-touchdown season, then he's going to win it. So um, this is a case where football is a violent sport and things can happen where he gets nicked up. He has gotten nicked up in the past. So if he misses a couple of games, that could hurt his counting stats. And we've seen with NFL voters, they are much more inclined to vote for overall numbers versus efficiency numbers. So I think Matt Ryan is maybe the one case recently where they did lean a little bit more towards efficiency than just the, the gross number leaders in the NFL. So um, I will say this, though, when it comes to this award in particular, beware chasing anybody other yes. than a quarterback, because the last the last eight MVPs have been quarterbacks. 13, 13 the last 14. The last yeah. 14 yeah. have been quarterbacks. The only one was Adrian Peterson in 2012 who rushed for close to 2,100 yards. So, And it just so happened that there was a 5,000-yard, 43-touchdown quarterback that season, Drew Brees, but he was on a 7-9 and team. So it's a quarterback award. Don't try and chase one of these other guys. Um, and I... I'm curious who you like down the board because I actually think there is a guy who has been as good as Patrick Mahomes and you might get an amazing price on him this year. So I am, listen, I think Mahomes at five to one is appropriately at priced. Um, Aaron Rodgers eight to one, I think is a little bit short for me. Um, Josh Allen at 12 to one, I think is the, one of the more interesting bets out there because one of the things we know about this Bills team, they are a pass happy team. They are open and honest about being a pass-first, we-are-going-to-throw-the-ball-a-ton team. And not only that, Josh Allen gets you the counting stats with his legs as well as scoring touchdowns because he calls his own number inside the red zone so often as well. I would like a little bit better price than 12-1, to 1, but I do think that that number on Josh Allen is pretty damn appealing. Look, if you're going to sit here and tell me you know, Tom Brady at 14 to 1. Why would you not bet Tom Brady at 14 to 1? We just talked about this being a narrative driven award. If Tom Brady takes this Bucks team back to an NFC championship and all of this, and if he even hints that this could be his last year in the NFL, Steven, we can go ahead and etch his name on the trophy right now because if they are <laughs> like they are going to give this to him if he says that this is his last year or that he's thinking about this being his last year at any point throughout the course of the season. Like it is going to go to Tom Brady so long as he doesn't suck. What would be crazy is if we have a war of narratives where Tom Brady and Russell Wilson are neck and neck and you have the uh, the goat on his last <laughs> rodeo versus the guy who has never gotten an MVP vote that we constantly hear about every year. So 
Uh, that would those are the two narrative based picks. That's for sure. So the one guy in this range that I'm not touching is Dak yeah. Prescott. Now that he has a shoulder injury that he's dealing with, and there have been some speculation from former quarterbacks who have gotten the injury that it lingers as well. So. Uh, I can't bet on a guy who already might not be 100% going into the Same. season. And listen, we talked about everybody else being 30 to 1 or longer. Look, Deshaun Watson's also 30 to 1. This is voted on by the public. He is not winning. He could throw for 9,000 yards and he is not going to win this award. Like, there is going to be a contingent of people who will not vote for him come hell or high water. Do not waste your money betting Deshaun Watson. Yeah, 100% on that. And I, I want to give you two guys in this middle range right. that I like. And I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you one, and then I'm going to give you the long shot that I have bet okay. already. But this other guy interests me. I might add him. The first is Justin Herbert. He's 20-1 to 1 over at BetMGM. Of the 32 quarterbacks who had enough pass attempts downfield last year on, on, on long air yard attempts last year, Herbert was behind only Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, in EPA per attempt last year. And overall, the Chargers have the 11th easiest schedule based on win totals. Uh, from week nine on, they play the easiest schedule in the NFL. So on top of that, Herbert was phenomenal last year as a rookie, mm -hmm. despite getting pressured more than 35% of the time. That was the fourth highest rate in the league. He had 4,300 yards, 67% completion percentage, 31 touchdowns in 15 games, and they beefed up that offensive line with Rashawn Slater in the first round and Corey Lindsley, one of the best centers in the game in free agency. So uh, that is an interesting pick to me. I wish I was getting a little better than 20 to 1, but that would fall kind of in line with the recent trend of some second-year quarterbacks winning MVP, the, the recent ones being... Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I, I don't hate that at all, man. I think that that is a, a fairly decent – look, we're talking about guys that are going to take a step forward, you know. And so my only other one that I have in – I have uh, that I have in the account, I'll tell you the one that I'm looking at. The only other one, I have Matt Stafford in the account. And I think that there is – again, okay. we're talking that this is a little bit narrative-based. And – this is a guy that is a longtime NFL veteran who has just been on incredibly terrible, crappy teams. And despite him putting up big numbers and despite him playing through numerous injuries and basically being an Iron Man and doing all that, he just gets no credit because you can't vote. You can't give anyone anything whenever their team's winning four and five games a year. I think this Rams team is going to be awesome. I think that he is going to be helped out by this defense, which will help him put him in favorable positions and shorter fields and opportunities to get touchdowns even quicker. And so um, I bet Matt Stafford, as soon as the trade happens, so I got better number than this, but I don't hate at 18 to one and the one that I'm eyeballing and I think will probably end up making the account is Baker Mayfield. I am super, super, super bullish on the Browns as you guys will hear in the weeks and months, uh, the weeks to come as we lead into the season. 
Uh, I think this team is super incredibly talented. I think he has so many different weapons. I think he's finally comfortable in a system and finally comfortable with his coaching staff. He gets Odell Beckham back this year to go along with all of those other weapons that he's got. The defense should be healthy so they won't be playing from behind and so they won't know what's coming. He should be able to just run a balanced, good offense here and if the Browns make a serious run at not only winning that division, which again, I think they win that division, but at winning the AFC in general, I think Baker Mayfield could get a really, really strong look and having a 33 to one in the account, I think would feel pretty good. He certainly fits the narrative of a team that's, that could compete for the one seed to possibly mm-hmm. win this award as MVP. My concern is just the, the volume uh, they should be one of the more run-heavy teams in the league, leaning on that offensive line and Nick Chubb. But the opposite is true for Matt Stafford. They lost Cam Akers, mm-hmm. which I think could force Sean McVay to be a little bit more pass-happy than he has been in the past. I think he wants to throw the ball. He just had Jared Goff declining the past couple of years, which has forced him to be one of the most run-heavy teams. I agree 100 I think that Sean McVay is finally going to get to run the offense that he actually truly really wants to run. And he has been handcuffed at the quarterback position. And it got to a point where he's like, I can't take this anymore. We have to do something about this. And I think he brought Matthew Stafford in for a reason. And just like you said, it's because they have not been running the offense that he actually wants to run. Okay. I'm going to give you my stump speech for the long shot. Let's do it. Are you ready? From this point forward, Ryan Tannehill will be nicknamed Patrick Mahomes Light. He is 25 to 1 at BetMGM. You can get him as high as 30 to 1, maybe a little bit higher right now. Ryan Tannehill, to the surprise of many, I think, was top five in expected points added since 2019. His pass efficiency ranked the last two years, fourth and eighth. His pass explosiveness ranked the last two years, sixth and second. Since Ryan Tannehill took over as starting quarterback week seven of 2019, Tennessee has scored the highest level of points per minute in the NFL, and they're 30.6 points per game, third best in the NFL over that span. The defense is going to be a problem again, but that could lead to more shootouts and possibly some negative game scripts in the second half, which means possibly some more volume for Ryan Tannehill this year. And they didn't bring Julio Jones in via trade to have him run block. Julio Jones may be getting older, but he was still top five in yards per route run a year ago. And compare Ryan Tannehill's numbers to Patrick Mahomes over his last 24 starts. Mahomes, 57 pass touchdowns. Tannehill, 61 pass touchdowns on 188 fewer attempts. Mahomes, 105.2 passer rating. Tannehill, 110.9 passer rating. Mahomes, 7.9 yards per attempt. Tannehill, 8.6 yards per attempt. And PFF grade, Mahomes, 91.5. Ryan Tannehill, 94.5. If we get a little bit more volume, you could potentially be betting on Patrick Mahomes' numbers at close to 30-1 to this year. I don't listen. 
here's here's the other thing, and this is like why I like why I like you you bringing this up as well. I think everybody just assumes that they are going to continue to run the exact same offense that they've run because Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. And listen, while I do believe that Derrick Henry will still get his fair share, you do not bring in a guy like Julio Jones and not at least uptick your pass volume at least some, at least a tad. 100%. Like, everyone's just like, why would they do that? Why would they do that? They've got Derrick Henry. Well, yeah, you do, and I understand that. But you also have a more efficient way of moving the football. It's been proven that passing is more efficient moving the football. And you brought in a guy like Julio Jones, again, for a reason. And so I think it's a little naive to say, oh, you've got Derrick Henry. They're just going to run the exact same offense. I don't think that is the case. Now, I could be proven wrong. You could be proven wrong and, and, and whatever. But I do not think that that is going to be it. And I do believe that there's going to be an uptick in pass volume for this offense. And, and Tannehill certainly could be in that same breath with some of these other guys, not too far into the season even. To answer the question, why would they do that when they have Derrick Henry? How about because they want to win the, they want to win the Super right. Bowl? And to this point, the current offense hasn't been good enough to compete with the likes of the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and maybe not even the Baltimore Ravens. So maybe because they want to get more explosive and actually contend for a Lombardi trophy. How's that? Or how about use Derrick Henry after you've already used your awesome weapons in A.J. Brown and Julio Jones to build a 17-point lead and then use Derrick Henry to to milk the clock and ice ice things out, like take it down the stretch because he's going to be super fresh and they're not going to be able to stop him. No defensive line in the NFL can stop this beast of a human being. So why not use him that way and and use your more efficient way of scoring points? Like, I think that this team, I think this organization is sharp enough to do that. They were sharp enough to go and make the deal for Julio Jones. I think they're sharp enough to realize they should also use him if they're going to go make that deal. They'll also be incentivized if they're off to a great start and, and have this division under control to rest Derrick Henry a little bit more, to ensure that he's fresh for the postseason. If they're explosive enough in the pass game to be able to win games, and not to mention if their defense is miserable, they might not have the luxury of running Derrick Henry as much as they have in years past. There are multiple reasons why Derrick Henry could get a little bit less workload during the regular season this year and, and make sure that he's good to go for when the games matter most for the Titans. So that only increases the lanes for Ryan Tannehill to uptick his volume in 2021. I am with you there, my friend, 100%. So again, Josh Allen, Stafford, and Mayfield, for me, love the Tannehill look from you as well. And, uh, you know, again, guys, we're not saying it's definitely going to be a quarterback, but history says it's going to be a quarterback. So just think about that as you go. Uh, Justin Herbert also at 20 to one on Steven's betting card. Just keep that in mind as you are making your bets. It typically does go to a quarterback. We were fortunate enough to sit down with our very own Dan Stupp. Uh, he is the former head honcho over at MMAjunkie.com and uh, literally lived and breathed the UFC uh, and MMA for over a decade, now working with us over here, but still has a very, very deep knowledge of everything going on in that industry and, and definitely the betting market as well. And he lets us know what he thinks about UFC 265. Now join us here on the pod, your friend and mine, Dan Stupp, former 
everything guru over at MMA Junkie now working us with us here over at Katina Media. Dan, thanks for joining us on the pod. And man, we have a, a a sneaky good card that I think maybe people, you know, listen, the the name power, the star power might not necessarily be there, but the uh, the action I think certainly will be. Yeah, it may not be the, the biggest names, but you start picking through that card and you see some guys who you're definitely going to recognize the names and then kind of the more you think about it, you're kind of like, oh, this isn't too bad of a card. So yeah, uh, from top to bottom, I, I think there's some really compelling matchups. Well, let's go ahead and start then on the early prelims. And these guys are the ones that if you are, uh, if you're the super hardcore fan, you might watch these. If not, um, you have to seek them out. They're on ESPN plus, so you can only get them streaming, but we do have four matches on the early prelims. Is there anything that, uh, as you were kind of going through that maybe made your betting card? Yeah, the, actually, the very first fight of the night, Johnny Munoz versus uh, Jamie Simmons. Uh, Munoz is a, a pretty big uh, favorite, as he, I think, should be. I, I think last I saw it was about minus 275. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, Simmons before, uh, nothing super impressive. I just think Munoz is going to be a, a better striker, better grappler. I think he has some of the better kind of the intangibles that uh, can help guys kind of win fights. So, uh, I'm big on him, and I, I'm kind of keeping an eye on under two and a half rounds or the, the prop bet of the fight doesn't go to decision. Uh, I just see Munoz winning and, and probably winning inside the distance. As we head to the uh, featured prelim card, now this is available on ESPN2, so you can watch this on TV as we head into the main pay-per-view another four fights on this one and as you mentioned some names that I think maybe people will definitely start to uh start to say okay I, I've definitely heard of that guy and especially when we talk about Ed Herman yeah I was gonna say that that's one of the fights that I, I'm really excited about I've been following kind of Ed Herman or not Ed Herman uh, Alonzo Manyfield's career uh ever since his UFC debut and, and kind of learned a lot about his background and stuff so uh, his UFC run's been a, a little inconsistent, kind of uh, some fight IQ issues, but um, honestly, I don't understand why he's not a, a much bigger favorite here. Uh, Herman is on a three-fight winning streak, but you really start kind of digging into the details, and, and uh, there, there's reason for, for concern. I, he definitely lost one of those fights. Uh, he has had a remarkable career. I think anyone um, who saw him on The Ultimate Fighter uh, way back in the day, uh, probably never expected that his UFC run uh, would last this long or that uh, he would have some of the success he's had. Um, you know, I know we keep wanting to put him out the pasture uh, and he keeps surprising us, but I just think this is a, a really bad matchup for him. I just don't, you know, uh, Alonzo's power, his speed, uh, Herman's kind of waning uh, durability. I, I just think this is kind of a tailor-made matchup for Alonzo Minifield, uh, assuming he doesn't have a brain fart. And I think he's a, a really good parlay piece if you're looking for those on this card. Yeah, minus 250 favorite over at BetMGM. And as you mentioned, I mean, if that's not really your style, guys, to lay the uh, the big the big chalk, I mean, listen, this is MMA is one of the few sports where I definitely – 
highly recommend parlays. So if you find a, you know another fight that you are really interested in, then you know pairing those two up and getting you a little bit more favorable of a number that you feel a little bit better about with your bankroll is certainly a way to go. And and Dan, I know I know you do it, I do it, and I think it's certainly a, a good strategy for people out there who listen laying two fifty to win a hundred. I understand isn't everybody's thing. So um, you know getting a little bit more favorable of a number is is something that I highly recommend in MMA. Yeah, I, I don't mind kind of, you know, paying the, the big price for a, a smaller payout, but obviously parlays are, if nothing else, a, a lot more fun. But yeah, you start getting some of these uh, kind of big favorites uh, with minimal payout. Um, you know, I, I really kind of look in that minus 250 to the minus 500 range. If there's a guy where I still think there's a lot of value there, uh, those numbers are so big. I, you know, for me, it kind of makes sense to maybe start parlaying them together. As we head to the main card, we kick things off. Song Yudong versus Casey Kenny. Uh, this is a bantamweight fight, and it'll, it should be fairly high action. If uh, if you know, listen, if we go by kind of what some of these guys have done in the past. That being said, we do look at Song Yudong in the last couple of fights to his have gone to decision. How do you see uh, this one kind of playing out? Yeah, I think the odds are probably about right. I, I think it's kind of a pick 'em fight, um, but that doesn't make it super easy to handicap. Uh, these guys are kind of, uh, we've seen them all over the place as far as style uh, just during their UFC careers. Uh, Yadong's kind of a grappler who's transitioned to, to mainly a striker. Um, and then you've got uh, Kenny, who's a wrestler, but he also likes to strike. Uh, so it's kind of hard to tell exactly where it's going to go. But I think one thing to keep in mind with this fight is that both guys have shown cardio issues, uh, especially as the fight's uh, worn on. And I think that's mainly just a byproduct of they both usually start so strong. Uh, they're swinging so hard, they just kind of wear themselves out. So uh, for me, kind of looking at it from a betting perspective, I, I think the line probably is right, kind of a 50-50 fight. But uh, I, I wish it had a slightly bigger payout, but um, there's a nice prop bet of the fight ending in, in round three that you can probably find. Uh, last I saw at, at some books, it was about plus 800. Uh, yeah, plus 850 at uh, MGM, yeah. Yeah, see, you know, I, I think that's a, a solid play. Obviously, that's not going to hit uh, every weekend, so you're kind of, uh, those more specific prop bets, you, you're playing kind of for the long haul and hope out in the in the long run that, uh, you come out ahead, but, um, you know, if you don't want to keep it that specific, I think, you know, the fight not going to decision at plus money, I've seen it as high as plus 140. I, I think that's a solid option, too. Yeah. Will the fight go the distance over at BetMGM? The no is plus 155. So that's a yeah. that's a decent num little number in that one. So, so yeah. let's take a look at the next women's strawweight fight. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill, another closely lined fight. Um, we have Tisha Torres sitting at minus 140, Angela Hill at plus 115 in this one. Anyone that has watched Angela Hill fight knows what you're getting whenever she steps into the cage. Tisha Torres, the same. How do we uh, how do we look at this one? Yeah, you know, they, they fought six years ago, and I know folks have been saying, you know, you, you really can't put much stock in that fight just because these fighters have uh, changed and improved kind of so drastically since then. But I think a lot of the issues that, you know, each one was dealing with initially, it, it, you know, the, the primary one, I, I think Angela Hill, uh, with her reach and her improved striking, she's kind of a, a lot more fluid with it now. She was a, a lot stiffer kind of earlier in her career. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for Torres to, to kind of deal with that that reach. 
Um, you know, I, I think it's still going to be a fairly evenly fight. I got very lucky earlier in the week and, uh, saw that the fight goes to decision, uh, at minus 200. I, I jumped oh, on that. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, that's someone messed up there, but yeah, that um, is a great number. Yeah. So I, I, I was happy to pounce on that. I think it's about minus 340 now. Um, I, I think a lot of the value is gone there, but if I'm leaning anywhere in this fight, I, I think it does go to decision. And at Hill, I think last I saw, she was starting to get into plus money, um, and and it's still improving. I think the the uh, longer you wait, uh, closer to to fight time, the higher Hill goes. I, I think it was just it being kind of in my mind a, a 50-50 fight. Any plus money is great, and the fact that it keeps. Uh, that number on Hill keeps creeping up. I, I you know, I'm going to probably pounce right before fight time. Yes, and uh, to to Dan's point, uh, is if we just look, just look at Tisha Torres. Fifteen of her seventeen fights have gone the distance, and if you look over, even over at Angela Hill, if we look at her recent results, if we kind of discount what happened earlier on in her career, once she got to the UFC. The vast majority of her fights have gone to the decision as well. So uh, I really do love that number that you got. And I got to be honest, I mean, even at 350, um, I don't hate it, but it's a it's 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 a tough pill to swallow when you know that the 200 was floating out there a little right. bit earlier, a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, Mike Chiesa is going to man another super tightly, tightly lined fight yeah. here. Mike Chiesa uh, is this a literal coin flip over at BetMGM, minus 110 on both sides. Of course, there are the the multiple different ways you can bet this with the prop bets as well. But how do you see this one going? Yeah, Kiesa's looked really great since moving up to welterweight. I think his kind of main concern was that, um, you know, he would be a, a regular size welterweight as opposed to being a, a supersized lightweight. But honestly, it feels like he's still a very huge welterweight. Um, he looked really good, I used his size and, and strength uh, with some recent wins, uh, Rafael Dos uh, Anjos, Neil Magny. Um, I, I think the key for his fight is going to be to get it to the ground. Uh, Vicente Luque, uh, he's definitely a, a danger standing, um, it, but I think Chiesa is durable enough to get in close, to get the hooks, to drag the fight to the ground. And, and as we've seen recently, just with that size and strength and just kind of that um, you know, veteran savvy on the ground. I, I could see him just really controlling his way to a win. I, 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 I lean toward Kiesa minus one ten here. Uh, I got him at plus money a little early in the week, but I still think the value is still on him. Uh, and Kiesa via decision at plus two twenty or around there. I, I think that's a really solid option too. Yeah, and you can just bet the fight in general to go to decision at minus one twenty. Nice. Um, it's, it's, uh, over at bed MGM. And I understand that, that, you know, look, it's a little bit worse of a price than you can get just betting Kiesa, but it does give you at least a little bit of another out, right. Um, that the fight will just end by decision in case Luke somehow, um, wins this thing in a decision as well. So just another way that you can go about betting this thing. If you did want to go in that direction. Now, here is the one name I think most people who have uh, been around UFC for any amount of time, Jose Aldo, in the co-main event at Bantamweight. Uh, Jose Aldo, you know, widely considered, I think, in you and when you and I were, were really, really into this, widely considered one of the best pound-for-pound, pound, if not the best pound-for-pound pound fighters 
that there was on the planet. And then uh, and then things kind of went south there starting in, you know, about 2017, where a whole bunch of losses getting strung together in a row. He is coming off of a win as we head into UFC 265 here. Yeah, and, and Marlon Vera, who he just beat, it, that's a very solid win, especially for a, a guy like Aldo who may have had uh, question marks about. But you're right. I think uh, nowadays we all kind of think of Aldo as the the post Conor McGregor, the the quick title loss to him. But yeah, I was going to say for kind of us old school MMA guys, you know, for five, ten years there, Aldo uh, was kind of cream of the crop, not just at featherweight, but in, in any division. I actually really like him in this spot. Um, you know, he's getting some mileage and, and getting up there in age. And, and uh, that's always going to uh, kind of concern me about a guy like uh, Aldo. But, um, you know, at a near pick, I, I just I really see kind of a lot of ways for him to win. Um, Mun, uh, Munoz has durability, uh, but he takes a lot of damage. And, and when Aldo kind of loosens up and really lets it start going, uh, the body shots, the leg kicks, um, I, I think he's just going to be uh, much more accurate with his striking. And, and as old as he is, I think he's probably going to have a pretty big speed advantage just over uh, kind of his plotting opponent. Um, I, I'm leaning toward auto. I'm going to wait closer to fight time to see if the line still uh, gets better. But uh, again, it, it like you said, it, it's a close pick em fight. I, I lean toward auto. And if I've got a lean at plus money, then I'm usually playing that. Yeah, right now you're going to have to pay a little bit to uh, play Aldo over on BetMGM, minus 115. Munoz sitting at minus 105 um, as we record this here on Thursday morning. Um, I'm with you. I lean Aldo. I've not put the play in my account yet, but it could get there depending on where this number ends up. You look at Munoz, as you mentioned, I mean, he also – couple of fight losing streak there when he lost to Aljo and lost to uh, Frankie Edgar. He did bounce back with a win over Jimmy Rivera. So both guys coming off of just a, a sole win, a winning streak going on with either fighter. And I do think Aldo has some, so long as Aldo still has it in the tank, right? The one thing that you and I have seen, sometimes these guys get older and they come out and you can just tell that it's gone. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's like they've lost it. And I'm hoping that this fight is not that fight for Jose Aldo, because, uh, again, I, I kind of lean his way as well. In we'll, the main we'll event, watch, yeah. I'm going to say we're, we're going to want to watch weigh-ins really closely on that, yeah. too. Aldo's look like death at weigh-ins, but if he has a, a good weight cut, that's even uh, more reason to, to like him in this spot. Absolutely, and great point on that one. Main event, heavyweight bout, Derek Lewis going in. Um, people were... Maybe not jumping up and down about this main event. Maybe not that this was uh, certainly, I think that if they could have picked another, uh, picked any, almost any other opponent that had been rumored for Derek Lewis, that they would have done that. But um, here we are. Derek Lewis is actually a plus 280 underdog in this one, Dan. Uh, we look at uh his opponent not a very well-known fighter in the general public certainly not a very well-known fighter amongst casual fans here and i think everyone's going to tune in and they're going to see that number pop up on the screen and say whoa 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 wait a minute <laughs> Derek lewis is nearly a three to one underdog here so um what makes this fight uh what makes this fight tick yeah gone it's interesting because I had the same kind of thought when I was looking at the lines when they first came out. Um, he, he really is kind of better everywhere. He's got the more accurate striking. Uh, his wrestling and grappling is actually pretty underrated. He has better cardio. 
Um, you know, we saw him go to decision in his two most recent wins over some uh, tough guys. So we, we know he can, um, you know, have some gas in the tank for later on. Just the big question mark with every Derek Lewis fight, though, is just the intangibles that that guy has. He has the, the KO power and that uppercut that can stop anybody. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, the, the Derek Lewis school of just getting up when you're on your back, just decide to stand up for whatever right. reason. He can just get up like that. Um, and then we see not just getting up, but just kind of those bursts of pure strength that can kind of uh, a fight where he seems totally out of it. He just kind of finds a way to, to muscle his way into it. I, I think the his weak defense is really going to, uh, you know, uh, be an issue here. Gone can definitely capitalize on it. Uh, but with kind of all those intangibles with uh, Derek Lewis, and including a hometown crowd, um, for me, it's probably dog or pass. Uh, but I really like kind of a, a lot of the unders. You can find probably under three and a half, under four and a half rounds out there, or even the fight not going to decision. Uh, I think any of those are, are decent parlay pieces. But yeah, if I, you know, gun to head, I, I'd probably lean toward Lewis and, and maybe even him at KO at plus 400. I, I think there's uh, that's an intriguing option for this one. Yeah, I think that if if I were to play Lewis in this one and tell me what you think about this is is with the cardio kind of thing going on. With him, I, and I know we've seen him him rally kind of late and sometimes get a second wind. I don't know if that could happen in this fight against a guy like gone. So I almost feel like if you want Lewis, you, you could get away with betting him in round one, two or three or something like that. And mm -hmm. then, and, and just kind of moving on from there, you're getting 11 to one, 13 to one, and then 19 to one in rounds one, two, and then three. Cause I think if this thing gets into the deep waters, again, I, I know we've seen him rally before. I know we, he gets a, a weird second win sometimes, but I think against a guy like Gon, I don't know if that's actually going to play. So, I, I don't know. I feel like if I'm going to bet Lewis, kind of like you said, it's either Lewis by KO. I don't think he wins a decision by any stretch of the imagination. So, I would just wipe that off the, the table. And so, instead of the plus 280, I'm taking the plus 400. And, and then on top of that, I think I might even be looking at, at rounds one, two, and three as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think Lewis is going to come out looking to pace himself for a five-round fight. Mm -hmm. I, I think with the crowd behind them and knowing that, um, you know, the later the fighter, the late, later the fight goes on, uh, the probably probably the more it works toward gone. I, I could see Lewis coming out strong and looking for that stoppage early. Dan, as we uh, let you go here, what is the what's your favorite bet that's in your account right now? I know obviously it's probably the the minus two hundred <laughs> that is like literally half the price that it is now, or something like that. But if you had to pick a different one, what's uh, what's your favorite bet? I I, I really like Kiesa in that spot, um, but probably more than anything, just Alonzo Manyfield is kind of a parlay piece, or or even straight up. I, I just. I, I like Ed Herman. I, I love what he's doing late in his career. You like to see kind of the old vet still kicking around and getting some wins. I just, I, I really think the speed and power is just going to be too much for him. Dan, where can people find you on the Twitter machine? And then also uh, the, the work that you're doing these days, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Dan Stupp, D-A-N-N-S-T-U-P-P. Uh, and then I'm just doing a, a lot of writing covering uh, the, the gambling industries out here in Virginia and now Maryland that they're getting close to sports betting. And there's always some weird stuff going in and uh, going on in Washington, D.C. So uh, I, I cover what's called the, the mid-Atlantic markets. And, and over here, there, there's plenty going on with sports betting and casinos and, and lottery and all that stuff. So check us out at Play Virginia and Play Maryland. There's always a lot going on. 
Awesome. Well, uh, we will certainly have you back on next time we have a, a nice big UFC card. Dan, really do appreciate the time, buddy. No problem. Thanks, Matt. Should be a good card. Again, a, a main card that has really and truly some very, very closely odd fights. I mean, we are talking typically when you get to these main cards, you see some pretty big disp- discrepancy in the odds as to the different skill sets of these fighters, but that is just not the case. There's a lot of fights on this main card as we sit right now that are near coin flips. So it should be a super entertaining night. It should be super fun, and uh, hopefully we win some money along the way as well. Steven, I, uh, listen, feel really good about these uh, these NFL preview pods we got going on here. We'll be back next week as well. We'll be running down uh, some, some every, you know, listen, they continue to put up new markets as well, which is the cool thing. As we get closer and closer and closer to the season, we continue to get more and more markets put up, and I'm loving, loving that a ton. And then also we'll have some more insights from not only some preseason games that have been played, but more and more starts to trickle out from these camps. We're starting to hear a little bit more about who may or may not start or who may or may not get some good playing time and stuff like that, and that can help us out as well as we go about making our bets. Listen, we are taping this on uh, on a Thursday, the day of the first NFL preseason game, the NFL Hall of Fame game coming up, so I'm excited for football. I'm excited to dig into these markets um, if, if you haven't seen already, we are updating all of our NFL team pages over at thelines.com. So to keep you up to date on the betting previews and angles of your favorite NFL team, we're keeping you up to date on all the futures markets. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, if for whatever reason you're in a legal sports betting state and you don't have an account yet, you can use our website to find the best sign-up promos out there in your particular state. Even if you already have one, you want to add a second sports book and get that sign-up promo for NFL season, we got you covered. So you can find all of that over at the Absolutely. site. Absolutely, and if you're in a state that's soon to come, uh, be sure and don't sign up until you head over to the lines because we are going to have the very best way for you to take advantage of these new books coming to your area and to your market. So be sure and do that as well. For Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>